This is Seattle Sports Diaries Podcast. Now, here is your host, Mike, and the rest of the SSD gang. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand spanking new episode of Seattle Sports Diaries. I am your host, Mike. And over here on that other corner, I got DJ here. And DJ, you know what? It's, <laughs> you know, this, it's the first ever postseason podcast recap. And it's because the Mariners have just wrapped up game one, the American League wildcard series, 4 nothing win over the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, La Pedra was him big dumper was him everybody was him on this team oh my gosh it's been seven thousand uh what is it seven thousand six hundred and fifty seven days and the mariners are finally back in the win column in the postseason what a game what a game man it feels good it, it really does, man. It, it feels absolutely incredible that they, that we are now officially, you know, a postseason winning team. And you know what? All of this started last Friday. It all started last Friday with one swing of Cal Raleigh's home of Cal Raleigh's bat to put us into the postseason. And it's just been, so I'm not even gonna lie. So a lot of people have been asking me where the mayor is going to end up in the postseason. I have not answered any of their questions. I only just go like this. I don't care where they go. I don't care where they stop. I'm going to enjoy this ride that the Mariners have. Yeah, you got to. I mean, it's been 21 years. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been 21 years. Uh, again, it's been 7,657 days since our last postseason win, and it was it was so sweet today because again, you know, Luis Castro was absolutely almost unhittable today he really was almost unhittable um there was two jams where Luis Castillo got in but he was able to find a way to get out of it and everything that the Mariners gave up everything that the Mariners gave up for Luis Castillo it was all worth it for this one start um I don't care what we gave up I mean to sign him for an extra five years, you know, possibly six years, and get this type of productivity out of him, perfectly fine with what we gave up. Oh, for sure. And you have no clue what's going to happen with Arroyo or uh, Novell Marte either. It's huge, especially to go one, go up 1-0 in the series. We just got one more. We do. We have one more game, and then uh, tomorrow, if we win, it's off to Houston. And you know, I've—I'm going to be honest with you, DJ. I, I want—I want you and I to really talk about this because this is something that I think—I think maybe it can happen. But if the Mariners win tomorrow, go to Houston. I think the Mariners. I think the Mariners could take out the Houston Astros. 
I said I think. I'm not. I am not saying that they can, but if they play the way they did today, if the pitching is as good as it was today, and if the Mariners come in clutch like they did today, then you we we could actually see the Mariners possibly upset the number one seed, Houston Astros. But I mean. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you, DJ, just thinking about that, possibly thinking that the Mariners, you know, are one game away from actually hosting, uh, at least one playoff game. They're going to, they're going to at least get one playoff game because there's going to be two games in Houston. And then they're going to come here to Seattle this upcoming week, which, uh, is perfectly fine by me. I will go to that game. I don't care how much it freaking costs for a ticket. I'll go to that damn game. I don't care. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, DJ, like, what do you think of this Mariners? Do you think they have what it takes to beat Houston? Because I, I think that the Mariners, they do have what it takes. I do. And uh, as long, I think we really got to take at least one from Houston in Houston, whether it's against Verlander or whoever they would start the next game. I mean, depending on who they, they bring out there for game two. Uh, but I think I definitely think we do. If we take one in Houston, obviously I feel much better. And then coming back home, um, it's so tough to play in Houston. Short porch and left field. And uh, but with our pitching, I believe we can do it. You think about it. If we win tomorrow, that means we don't even have to bring Gilbert out of there. Out there. And then what? When when would it start? We would get a day. Get two so days if off. I'm looking right here, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna go ahead and look at the playoffs right now. So yeah, you got it up. Uh, if it, there we go. So this is this is what it's looking like right now. So uh, for the Astros, game one will be on Tuesday. Game one will be on Tuesday in Houston, and. And then, of course, and then they actually get a day off. They get a day off after that game and play the, the play on Thursday. And then they are going to be playing on Saturday at home against the Mariners. So we have two in Houston, two in Seattle, and one in Houston if it's necessary. But you know what? I think... I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. You know, if, if the Mariners have what it takes, if the, if the Mariners do have what it takes to beat this Astros, because dude, I think we can both agree. Like when the Mariners were actually just really getting into that playoff stride, they, they did not have what it takes to beat the Astros. Like when, like when we, even when we came out of the all-star break, we did not have what it takes to beat the Astros. All of a sudden, now we do. I think we have everything that we need to possibly take out the Astros. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. If if the Mariners can take, like you said, one game, we do need to take one game in Houston. That is a big thing. If we can take one game in Houston and we come back and play in front of that crowd, I don't see anything that stops the Mariners from possibly ending the series in four games but I'm going to be I'm going to be perfectly honest with you man I think this series might go to all five games I think yeah. I think the series will end in Houston you know and and look 
If it comes down to game five and it ends in Houston or if it ends in Seattle, which uh, whatever it happens, like I said, I'm just going to enjoy every single second of this ride because, again, it's 21 years. You know, nobody has us beating. Nobody. A lot of people did not have us beating the Blue Jays. They did not have us beating the Blue Jays. We're one game away from proving them wrong. So and then, of course, I see a lot of the. I saw a lot of the experts who did have the Mariners beating the Blue Jays, of course, losing to the Astros. So what are the odds that maybe the Mariners define the odds twice and could probably see the Yankees or the Indians or excuse me, not the not the Indian, the Guardians, (laughs) the Guardians in the American League Championship Series. I mean, could could you actually imagine that? Because, I mean, the the Yankees and the Guardians have always been a nemesis to the Mariners in the postseason. It's been either the only team that the Mariners have actually played besides those two teams has been the Baltimore Orioles. That's it. And that was in course in 1997. But I mean, if we look at, if we look at the starting rotation and we look at Logan Gilbert, we have, we're going to have Gilbert. We're going to have, I want to say Castillo will be ready for game one of the American league division series. I think that is a no doubt about it. If we end it tomorrow, I don't know. I mean, we've seen, we've seen, we've seen pitchers do it on three days rest. We've seen sure. pitchers do it. And, you know, if 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 Castillo goes out there and he pitches, then I say you let him go 80, 90 pitches, and then you yeah. take him out. And that could probably get that could probably get you, you know, a good five or six innings. I mean anything you can only, get at only thing about that is so Gilbert, if you were to pitch Sun or if you were to pitch Sunday, he'd be on eight days rest already. Mm. And to give him nine, ten, eleven days rest, then you he may, saying, then, then you're are reaching you the point that, that he Gilbert may be should be game one starter for the American League Division Series. I think so. And then that automatically it it wouldn't be four days rest for Castillo. It would automatically give him his five days rest. And then have so uh, uh, we got two. we got a uh, couple comments down here. So we have, you know, I, I love this comment by Talon. Um, he says, start Logan and throw Castillo on full game re- on full rest in game two. That's absolutely correct. That is absolutely what, you, what we just said. But, you know, that actually was, you know, I can actually be honest with you. I mean, if yes, you know, let's throw Robbie Ray out there tomorrow. Let's see how he does against this former former team. But. I'm still concerned with the fact that he is a lefty facing a heavily right-handed uh, lineup, but I'm going to be honest. I, I think Robbie Ray is up to the challenge, but can we also say that we let the pressure out of Alec Mano- Alex Manoa today? Oh my God. The <laughs> fact that he said pressure is what goes into tires. Are you freaking kidding me? You're going to talk that smack and then you're going to go ahead and pitch against the Mariners. Wrong answer, buddy. Mariners yeah. let the pressure out of everything. Yeah, we. I mean, we beat him last time. It took us seven innings to finally get to him, but how great was it to see in the first inning we get to him and old big dumper comes up with a two-run shot. And I, I think after that point, I think that helped the guys relax. Castillo knew coming out, hey, we got a three-run lead. I'm just going to go... He had what do you throw? He threw seventy nine percent strikes, which was like the highest. He did. 
in the postseason so far, or at least for today. I think that was huge. It really was. I mean, uh, so real quickly, Matt Chapman on game one loss. I just saw this uh, quote. Today we had a lot of players who were in their first playoff game and learned a lot from the game. It's not a one-game wild card. It's a series, and we have to show up tomorrow and uh, ready to go and win and ready to win a ball game. Unquote. Now, here's the thing. Um, look, guess what? You know, the Mariners had everybody, almost every single person on that roster, in their first postseason game. There was hardly any players on this team that had any postseason games under their belt. Luis Castillo was the only one. And they were, or no, wait a minute. Luis Castillo, Carlos Santana, and I think that's it. Yeah. I think that, yeah. Luis so two guys. Castillo only had one. Castillo's only played in one postseason, now two yeah. postseason games. But I mean, wow. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, these guys have been fighting every single game for 163 games now for the season. 164 is tomorrow, and I got a feeling they're going to keep fighting until the last out is thrown. And I'm going to be honest, like I'm kind of prepared for, excuse me, I'm actually kind of prepared for next week because I don't know. I'm, I have a funny feeling that maybe next week is the last week for Mariners baseball, but I'm not going to, I am not going to keep that attitude. I am not going to hold on to that attitude. I'm going to keep the confidence going because I think, as we said, I think the Mariners could actually upset the Houston Astros because, again, it's not the same team that the Astros played a few months ago. You know, three months ago, or excuse me, uh, yeah, three months ago, the Mariners were a totally different team. They were not a complete team as they were. They didn't, the, the pitching was not as good as it is right now. The bullpen was not as good as it was back then, but now everything has fallen into place and everybody on this team is ready to contribute in a way to help make this team go far in the playoffs. And, you know, there was, I I think it was on uh, 710 ESPN. Yeah. So 710 ESPN, they were they were asking, you know, what what would you consider a successful Mariners season? And someone said, just win one game in the playoffs. I'll consider it successful. And you know what? It's I'm gonna, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I mean, if we were to get swept by the Blue Jays, I still would have considered consider this season a success because the goal for this year was to get to the playoffs. The goal for this year was to end the drought, and they did it. The one asterisk, or asterisk, uh, however you say that, <laughs> that I think that people could say is um, that this is just a wild card round, that this wasn't even here a few years ago. But, yeah, we made it the playoffs. I think getting out of this round, I, I think, would be huge. If we if we lose in the division series to the Houston Astros, okay. Um, but for this team to win a series, I think it's just going to pay dividends going even next year. And maybe, and maybe in the back of their mind, they're thinking we made we made it. Yeah, we made the postseason, but we made the divisional round series. And I don't know. 
no you're absolutely right i mean i i this is that's just me i consider this season a complete success right now because again we, we got to the playoffs we ended the drought you know i was there on friday i was i was i was crying so many happy tears i think i hugged about a hundred people that i will never see again but you know what it was absolutely fantastic to watch that game and get cal raleigh's home run on my phone i will never delete that video um it's absolutely fantastic that the mariners are here because for people out there who say that if it wasn't for this sixth seed we would never be here that's false because guess what we finished as the fifth seed so if we were to actually have the same playoff format as we did a in the past couple of years we would still be in the playoffs we would still be in the freaking playoffs and that's the best thing and you know what you know another thing that i that i think that a lot of people are overlooking right now we need to mention this we need to, we need to mention this back to back 90 win seasons and last year they weren't supposed to win 90 games this year they were they were actually credited to win 90 plus games and it's so awesome to actually you know say that hey we we finally won 90 games with a team that should have won 90 games yeah and and what's crazy is i think we had one more one run win this year than we did last we year did. which is even crazier but you know, i'm I all the videos that people keep sending out of the season and everything, dude. I've cried every time. <laughs> like I literally get chills. And like I said earlier, I fell asleep for like forty-five minute nap, dude. I was dreaming. I was playing in the, in the playoffs with the Mariners, dude. It's been on my mind. I woke up this morning so excited, dude. Uh, unbelievable. If they, I swear though, just like you said, if they make it to Seattle. Dude, if somehow they make it to Cleveland, I'm I'm driving up there and going to a game. <laughs> Without a doubt. You know what? I wouldn't I would not uh fault you for that one because it's you know, I really wish they were in Cleveland because you would have been representing the podcast there and you would have been, you know, tweeting oh, for us yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, you know, you already uh, you already have all the info to tweet for us, but I mean like it's just dude, this is this has just been absolutely amazing because you know, I want to bring up I want to bring up this past Friday because I think it needs to be talked about. So I by the way, it's two to nothing Padres over the Mets, a two-run blast off of Scherzer. Who the hell saw that Jeez. one coming? Who the hell saw that one coming right away? But you know, again, getting back onto Friday, it was unbelievable to witness that it, witness it live you know the 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 uh the following day or the the previous day you know i watched the walk off with the mariners you know they beat the oakland or yeah they no they beat the rangers didn't they yeah they beat the rangers yeah. they beat the rangers on thursday got to watch that walk off win and it was incredible because you know it was even though the mariners knew that they had that they had the postseason right there they were playing with every little bit of they were playing with so much passion they did not want to lose that game they did not want to lose a single game in front of those fans and what made what made friday best was that the baltimore orioles won 
and we won. It was the best type of clincher that you could have asked for because not going to lie. I mean, if we would have if we would have clinched with the Orioles winning, I don't know. I don't think it has the same feel. I don't think it would have had no, the same feel. I don't think it would have had the same feel to it. I think what Cal Raleigh did and I said this to my buddies when we were out in the parking lot spraying champagne um, because you saw that video, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, f- by the way, I actually got my buddy Jared in the eye twice. I accidentally sprayed him in the <laughs> eye twice, and he sprayed me in the eye. And I'm not gonna lie, that shit stings. That stuff stings so badly. But no, um, winning th- that home run by Cal Raleigh, in my opinion, will go down as the second greatest walk off hit in Mariners franchise history. And I, 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 I and I will, ne- and I will stand by it. The only thing, the only other hit that is able to top that walk-off home run by Cal Raleigh to clinch the playoffs is Edgar Martinez's double. That's it. But we're never going to see another hit do what Cal Raleigh did unless we get into the World Series and it's a walk-off hit. Dude, and those are things... Playing in the backyard when I was a young kid, you think about bottom of the ninth, 3-2 count, freaking... <laughs> hitting a home run and that's exactly what happened and you're you're right if the orioles would have lost earlier it would not have been the same it wouldn't have had the same feel even if it was a walk-off they would have celebrated but not like that and just everything that came after that with the celebration in the clubhouse and then scott coming out and talking to the fans did you stay for that you know what? I was tearing up with that one. I, I was I was tearing oh. up with that one. My brother and, uh, left, and I'm like, "How? Why would you leave?" I don't so understand how all that did. part. I don't understand how people left. But um, oh, I'm, I'm sure really there's like, people left that that left before the walk off. Oh, if they left during the walk off, do you know how <laughs> how badly they're kicking themselves in the asses right oh, now? Yeah. But um. I want to go ahead and play this because I think Scott Service, he needs to, everybody needs to hear this because this is our manager. And let me go ahead and pause the music. This is our manager right here. <laughs> and the fact that he came out and said the same thing, but he did it with, but he censored it because of, there were kids around. It was, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest. I've criticized Scott Service so much. I criticized him earlier this year. I said he should have been fired. But I'm glad I ate that crow. Because Scott Service is the second greatest manager in franchise history. Um, I think... I think that maybe here in about four or five years, depending if he's still here, I think... Scott Service will top Lou Pinella as the greatest manager in franchise history. Because I, you know what, I need. Can we please give Scott credit today? Because um, when Luis Castillo hit George Springer, first of all, I hope George Springer is okay. You'd never want to see a player go down like that. But when he hit George Springer, he could tell that Luis Castillo got rocked, and he's like, "Okay, this is it. I was going to let him go this game." Nope, I need to go to my bullpen. I need to get my guy. He's done. That was the one of the smartest. That was one of the best decisions that Scott Service has ever made as a as a manager for Seattle. Oh yeah, I definitely. Uh, I'm glad he went out there 
and I think and I think from Toronto's perspective, I think they thought that it's probably a class act, and they were probably happy they took him out. But yeah, I think it was perfect timing. I'm surprised we left Munoz in there for five outs, but <laughs> and he did the job, and, and he was hitting his spots. Normally, it just seems like he's he just was. winging it in there. And he, he was, was he, he was, was firing on all cylinders, strikes. man. Yep. He was firing on every cylinder possible, but one oh three. Oh my god. Wow. Unbelievable. But it's it's unbelievable how uh you know I think I think Andres Munoz needs to be our closer. Andres Munoz needs to be our closer for uh the foreseeable future because he's up for that pressure. I think, I think today we saw Andres Munoz actually get into that type of pressure situation that he needs to be, if you're going to be a closer and man, it's so incredible to watch this team play. It's so fun to finally say that we have such a fun ball club to, to go off on because I mean, it's just, it's so amazing to watch this team because you know, this team has got a, such a bright future ahead of them. I know the Mariners are actually going to get into the World Series one of these days. I know it. I know the Mariners are going to be getting into the World Series probably here within the next couple of years. But I think the Mariners see have their closer right there in Andres Munoz. And I hope that next year Andres Munoz is the full-time closer for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, these are the moments that, that show that. And he came out and... You remember, I mean, so many years where we would throw someone out there for a four-out save and it would just fall apart <laughs> every single time, like C-Shack and, uh, oh yeah. And even like during last year, I think when, when Seawall really got the name for himself to be the high leverage person, was I don't I don't remember who we're playing, but I remember it was bases loaded, no outs, and he came in and struck out the side. Do you remember that? I did. Rem- I do remember I th- that. I think that was like when Scott said, "All right, this is our guy to high leverage such situations," and I think that that that's moving to Munoz now. I and because Scott really hasn't. I mean, it's been a since Diaz. We haven't really had a true closer. Mm-hmm. that we only bring in the night. Uh, but I can definitely foresee them doing that with Munoz moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's something that needs to... Uh, it's something that needs to happen because, you know, look, Edwin Diaz was such an electric closer and, you know, he still is an electric closer. But seriously, you got a guy throwing freaking 93 miles an hour uh sliders you have him throwing 103 mile an hour fastballs give me a break that is your closer that's the guy that you need in those high leverage situations that's the guy who you need to be closing out your ball games and you know i don't think i don't think munoz is going tomorrow i think i I think he threw 23 pitches today so i don't think he's coming in tomorrow but i mean the, the the fact that Scott Service is trusting his players right now, he's trusting his his pitching staff, he's trusting these guys to go out and get them, uh, you know, get innings out of these guys. And I, I I'm so proud of Scott Service. I've never been more proud of Scott Service to be the manager than I am now because 
um one of these days i need to thank scott service for what he did because he's he's been such a big part in ending this drought if it wasn't for if we didn't have scott service as the manager i don't think we do end the drought this year i don't i don't think so no i don't think so either and i mean you see other teams i i don't i obviously don't watch other teams like i do with the mariners except maybe in the playoffs but the the way once he came in the way that the team i don't know if it's just the players or the culture like he started when he got over there but his vibe and the team's vibe like i i just i absolutely love it and i think i think scott has a has a big part in that and it seems like they're just they're always just having fun out there you know obviously you're, you're gonna lose games you're gonna have down you're gonna have slumps and stuff but yeah i don't think we'd be here today if it if it weren't for him definitely Oh, so I got great news for everybody out there. So uh, the Seattle Sports Diaries channel is actually going to be starting a Twitch stream here very, very soon, here in a few weeks. Um, DJ, are you a gamer, my man? I play a little bit of Call of Duty. Okay, is it Xbox? It is. Okay, so uh, the first stream that is going to go live is actually going to be PGA 2K23. So that's what we're going to do. So that's the best part. Uh, any, any, both me and DJ can stream on there. I'm going to be giving DJ the, the login information. Uh, our streams are going to go like every now and then, but we're going to, we're definitely going to play some MLB the show. That's, that's a given. We're definitely going to be playing some fucking MLB the show. I got it. By the way, none of the, none of the zone hitting, we're going to be going directional. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a big thing right there. But, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to be playing some Call of Duty. Uh, I know some people said Fortnite. No. Uh-uh. No Fortnite. <laughs> I don't play Fortnite. <laughs> no, I, I stopped playing Fortnite so long ago. I mean, it was it was an okay game, but it was just like, I could not get the hang of it, and I got tired of everybody building that stuff, and people was like, oh, but there's a there's a no building mode anymore. I don't care. I don't like it. And real quickly, Talon uh, posting it on here. Uh, let me go ahead and give him a shout out. So yeah, Jerry too. Jerry DePoto deserves a lot of credit. Uh, the guy's a genius and bringing in Scott was the first of many great moves to get here. Absolutely. Jerry DePoto has been so great. I met him. I've met him a bunch of times. And funnily enough, so I met him. Uh, I The last time I met him was the first game of this year, the home opener against the Astros. And I was telling him about my prediction. I showed him the video of me predicting that the Mariners would win the World Series in 2024. And and I asked, I said, if I get that correct, can I get a World Series ring? And he says, you have my email. If we win in 2024 and it's our first one, you send me the email. You send me the ring size. Yeah, <laughs> I sent a tweet out in November of last year. I said, 20, 2024, we win the World Series. We make it the playoffs this year. So, I, so real quick, so real quickly, DJ. Here's a here's a quick question. I think you know what? Just to entertain my dad, real quickly. There we go. I, I got the music off. There you go. I hope dad's happy. But so, if you were to actually get a World Series ring, a real World Series ring from the Mariners, what finger are you putting it on? <laughs> so, if, if I quick, were to get one, yes. If you were to get an actual World Series ring from the Mariners, what finger are you putting it on? 
Oh, probably my right index finger. Okay. So I would be putting it on this one because I get to go like this to Astros fans saying we want a real, we actually won one. <laughs> so I, I do my buddy who's a huge Astros fan. I went to the game last year in Houston. We got no hit. It was like a combined yeah. no hitter. Um, he actually, I actually have a replica of the Houston Astros. Is it ring. a nice one? It's pretty dope. Okay. It's yeah, actually you know super heavy, but if the Mariners do that, you better pick me one up when you go to the game and they do the ring. If it's a, no, I will. Uh, no, if ceremony. they do, if they do a replica ring, don't worry about it. I will get you one. I promise oh, yeah. you, I will get you one. Um, you know, we've been talking for 33 minutes. We're going to be reviewing, uh, we're, we're going to be recapping, uh, the win by the Seahawks here in a little bit, but this is, this is something I also wanted to talk to you about is, uh, of course, free agency. Free agency is going to be coming up here very, very soon. Um, Mariners though, uh, have been linked, have been linked. It's just a rumor. I don't think it's, I don't think it's true, but have been linked to Aaron judge. They've been linked to a couple of the shortstops. They've been linked to a couple other guys and it was, you know what? I'm not going to lie. If so, I've been saying that maybe the Mariners should move on from, from Mitch Hanniger. I, I hate to say that. I really hate to say that because the guy's been here for, for since the rebuild began. So I really hate to say that, but you know, if you can go out and get Aaron judge, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, I say you move on. I say you move on from, uh, from from Mitch Hanniger and you just let him walk or you probably because I, I know this though I think that you and I can agree with this I think Carlos Santana needs to be brought back for another year I think he needs to be brought back for another year because it was really when he came in that really this th this whole playoff movement started yep yeah and, and there, I mean and his friendship with Julio I know is huge I guess Julio and him hung out in the summer or a bit before the spring, before spring training, and we're actually practicing together. And I, I think I think we definitely were. They're removing the shift. Where does he hit most of the time? Into the shift. Um, <laughs> but just having that veteran presence and, like they say, he. The I think you tweeted the other night. He is always hustling. See, you know Even, what? That's what I that's what I love about Carlos Santana. He yeah. may be a big man, but that man he hustles. He's got so much pride in his game, and that's why I love Carlos Santana to death. Because I don't know, I feel like we need his veteran presence on this team. And I agree. but of course, next year the Mariners are going to. I I believe the Mariners are going to be moving on from Adam Frazier. So that means that you can probably move J.P. Crawford over to the second base position because you know. Look, here's the thing, you know, right now I love this Mariners team, but you need to bolster that offense. You need at least, you know, one or two more good bats, maybe even three good more bats. And you need the, the, the big thing that the Mariners need in this in this upcoming free agency is they need some they need some uh, minor league depth. It, when one guy goes down, they need somebody to come up and fill that position. They did not have it this year. They really didn't have it this year until Sam Haggerty, until Dylan Moore. But it's just. um. You know, I, you know, we've, we've said this a bunch of times, I, you know, the Mariners they need to move on from Jesse Winker. That, that, that's a given. They need to move on from Jesse Winker because 
the, I think it's hilarious. Eugenio Suarez was a throw-in player, but I'm calling it the the G- Eugenio Suarez trade because that's who oh, yeah. we got. We we got more of a valued player in Eugenio Suarez. And I was, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was skeptical about getting Eugenio Suarez and he's defined every odd this year. And he's done so well when it comes to analytically hitting and statistically hitting. And he's been such a great, he's been, he's been what I think he is the MVP of this team. I think he is, you know, look, I think, I think, you know, Julio has been great. Don't get me wrong. Julio has been fantastic. And a lot of people would say he's the MVP of this team. But I think Eugenio Suarez is your MVP for this Mariners team because he's been such a big part of this ball club. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'd, I'd, I'd give it to Suarez. And besides his offense, I mean, his defense has been. His defense. Dude, is it just me or what? Did, well. Kyle, did we get an upgrade from Kyle Seeger? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Kyle Seeger was great, but he did. He would have a few, a couple of them like. What are mm-hmm. you doing, man? <laughs> definitely, but no, definitely. Suarez, Suarez has has been awesome. I mean, we, I don't think we could have asked for a better replacement uh, for Seager. Uh, Winker, no, I'm I'm hoping he was injured all year. I'm hoping that's that was the issue, and he just played through it because we had other injuries or whatnot. But the last game that he was in left field, that little blooper that. He lackadaisically just jogged over to that he probably easily could have caught. I know we were down by 10 runs at that point. So someone, seven, six runs. But I went to the Mariners game on. So last week I went to Friday. I went to Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And then just this past Tuesday, I went to the doubleheader. First of all, uh, Shohei, who we got a great two way player in uh, Luis. Terence. <laughs> oh, yeah. But He's anyway, um, anyway, um, the the Saturday game where Winker ground hit a ground ball and he was just like casually running to first base. I called out and I said, Winker, you lazy sack of crap. And someone looked at me like, dude, really come on. And I went like this. I told him, I said, you can like Winker all you want. He's a lazy. He is a lazy player. His defense, it showed in his defense and it's shown the way his the way he's uh put himself on the field this year because his swings look lazy and the way he runs the bases is lazy. Yeah. I mean, and I liked the guy early on. I liked his, his vibe and him and Julio in the outfield, how they would basically throw it around the horn in the outfield after one of them would catch it. (laughs) And, and then even with uh, when he got in a fight with the angels and stuff, but (laughs) it just seemed like his, his effort because he made some nice plays early on in the year diving catches and stuff, but it just seems as the year went on, his effort just went down downhill and he does not run hard to first base. Even if he hits in the outfield, he is jogging the first base. It's It's sad. It's sad to see. It really is sad to see. Uh, by the way, before we get on to Seahawks, as you can see the banner down there, don't forget to uh, subscribe to BS Commentaries on YouTube and follow us on podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google, because we just put out two episodes this week. Uh, me and K-Hart both did, uh, we did uh, Red vs. Blue Season 5, 
and we did uh and i did another podcast with anika chung who is absolutely brilliant we and we actually brought out the hankies dude uh we watched homeward bound uh, walt disney's homeward bound dude it was definitely a tearjerker second time i've actually cried on that podcast that i've done <laughs> oh wow but uh dude well i mean come on if you ever have you ever seen that movie I have no, dude. I, it's, I, it's a tear kids' movies all the time with my oh, kids. Oh man, I mean, it, it, it's hard not to get choked up. All righty, that is it for Mariners Talk. We did our first postseason wrap up of our podcast ever, and I'm so glad that we did. But now it's time to move on to the very lovable but yet horribly defensive Seahawks. I don't know what the hell happened in this game, but we were able to squeeze out a 48 to 45 win. And I'm not going to lie. I got more. I got angrier and angrier and angrier. Every defensive play that the lot that the Seahawks made. It was a, this was not a good, not a good defensive showcasing by the, by the Seattle Seahawks. They've the only time, the only game in which they've, shown up defensively is the first game against the uh against the uh the denver broncos but let's face it i mean can we can we actually say that uh, i think russell wilson might be washed especially after this oh, past gosh. thursday gosh he looks bad yeah i mean it's hey broncos country let's ride the last place <laughs> oh my goodness and I, I hope, I mean, I listened to Colin Cowherd a little bit after the game. He did his thing. Um, and he made the joke that uh, John Schneider and Pete Carroll are lighting a cigarette or a cigar and <laughs> just, just smiling. I saw that. And uh, someone made it, uh, another analyst made a comment today that, you know, everyone was saying that it was all Pete's fault that he was holding Russ back, but. From what we've seen so far from Rust, dude, it does not look good. And Tyreek Woolen, though, in this uh, game against the Lions, though, was a big defensive uh, spotlight. He had four tackles, one assist, but he also had a pick six. That was really cool to see. And you know what? The running game finally stepped up today. The, I mean, or in that past game, you know, the, Pete Carroll has said that he wants to develop the run game. He wants to. He definitely wants to try to run the ball as much as they can. And you know, Rashad Penny, a 17 carries for 151 yards, 8.9 per carry, two touchdowns. And looking at uh, Rashad Penny this year, you know, he hasn't had a lot of really great games. I mean, he's he's had two games where he's only gone uh, a little over 60 plus yards. And of course, he had that bad game against the 49ers where he only had six carries for 15 yards. But, you know, this was a good breakout game for Rashad Penny. I was really happy for him. I was I was really impressed how the Seahawks were able to run the ball. He got really good. He got a really, really good uh, carries in this one, including, uh, you know, big runs where he broke for, you know, between 30 and 50 yards. But it was so fun to finally see Rashad Penny after, you know, being able to break through the lines. And, you know, Geno Smith ran the ball really well. Seven carries for 49 yards, a, a touchdown averaging seven yards per carry. And of course, Kenneth Walker, the third, eight carries, 29 yards. So, the, you know, the Seahawks run game, they were they were able to 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 develop very well here. They got over 200 yards on the ground. But I mean, let's look at it also this way. Geno Smith. Wow. 
is he having an MVP year or what? <laughs> Dude, I told you, you I'll, I'll buy a Geno Smith jersey if he gets one. I, MVP, I, MVP I want vote. him to just get one single friggin' MVP vote because I want you to eat that crow. I want you to get that Geno Smith jersey done. But Geno Smith, 23 for 30, 320 yards, two touchdowns, 149 of those yards going to, uh, should we call this guy the big dumper of the Seahawks and DK Metcalf? Because <laughs> DK Metcalf mid game gets carted off the field just to go into the just to go into the locker room to take a crap. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> that was awesome. And he said after the game, you know how it is. He's like, this wasn't one you could uh, walk. It'd be, <laughs> it would continue to be brewing, and <laughs> I was not going to make it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think uh, DK Metcalf is immature, but then he goes ahead and does stuff like that. And I'm just like, wow, God, I love this guy. I can't stop loving this guy. But can we talk about this? I mean, let's let's quickly talk about this. I mean, the Seahawks wide or tight end uh, group has absolutely been crucial uh, this season so far for the Seahawks. Uh, You know, we had Will Disley with four catches for 39 yards and a touchdown this year or a touchdown in this game. But I mean, He's he's caught uh, at least three catches in three out of the four games this year. Twelve catches for 116 yards, three touchdowns. He leads the team in touchdowns. Not to mention Colby Parker's Colby Parkinson uh, got a couple catches in this one. He's had two catches in all three games that he has actually recorded a catch. So two catches, and he's got 115 yards and a touchdown. So he's a yard behind Will Disley. And Will Disley's got more catches, and he's and he's actually caught the ball in all four games. But I mean, that's just impressive of how the you know last year the the tight end situation for the Seahawks was not very great. Um, you know, the tight ends were not very; they did not get open, and they didn't really find holes like like Parkinson and Disley are this year. But I mean, like, dude, this tight end core for the Seahawks is really good. I think I think they're very underrated this year. Oh, for sure. I mean, in last year, Parkinson was a little injured. We thought he was going to get a lot more playing time, but he didn't. Um, and, and Noah Fant's catching the ball, too. None of them have fumbled like Everett did freaking multiple times. <laughs> it seemed like even on the goal line. No, and it it seems that Gino is – he's actually taking his checkdowns and – and doing that he's at like 79 percent completion percentage right now which is an nfl record for the for the, through four weeks i believe is what i said yeah. nfc offensive player of the week as well dude and i hope it's not just like you know every year you have someone that comes out of nowhere and, and has a good year and maybe it's him <laughs> and, and maybe <laughs> Maybe it doesn't matter how we do what if we do well this year. If we do well this year, because uh, the Broncos don't aren't looking good right now, and we may still get a high draft pick. The thing is, if Geno does well, mm-hmm. I still still believe we got to take a quarterback. No, no, I'm not going dis- to. I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. Um, because you know, let's let's face it. I mean, the 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 Seahawks. Look, Geno Smith. Actually, let me let me point this out. I wanted to. I almost forgot about this. So, counting Noah Fant route real quickly, Colby Parkinson. Let me look this up. So Colby Parkinson. So that's sixteen, and then Will Disley. 
so you'll you'll find this really cool i thought i thought this was really good so 28 catches for the seahawks tight end group for 287 yards and six touchdowns that is impressive i mean i don't think that i don't think any other tight end group has that many uh catches or yards or touchdowns you know combined and it's just it really is impressive how geno smith is finding these guys open and you know let's face it you know parkinson and and disley they're supposed to be there to block and they're supposed to be there to open holes for richard penny but they're creating a play (laughs) kids making a cameo there we go i love it (laughs) nothing wrong with that um but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think uh, I think in this offseason, you know, if the I don't know, I I feel like the Seahawks are, are going to end up uh, taking a quarterback. But, it, you know, it, it all depends on where they fall in the draft. I mean, if they can fall in the top 20, which I think maybe a nine and eight or an eight and nine record can probably get you in the top 20. Definitely. I mean, I want to I don't want the Seahawks to really be that good because I do want the Seahawks to be able to get a young quarterback to where. Um, you know, we can Gino can definitely take him under his wing because look, look, let's face it. I mean, Gino Smith is proving a lot of people, a lot of doubters wrong this year because you know, when he when he was in New York, you know, everybody thought he was going to be the savior for the Jets, but all of a sudden, Gino Smith comes out uh, off the bench from for uh for being in Russell Wilson's shadow for so long, and all of a sudden, he's definitely having an MVP caliber year for the first four four games, and he's had one of the highest completion ratings of any quarterback in NFL history, 77%. That's absolutely incredible. But uh, Geno Smith is not a bad quarterback. I will say that he's not a bad quarterback, but you know, you're absolutely right. I still would want the Seahawks to definitely go into the draft, ready to pick a quarterback, ready to get the best quarterback that they can possibly get. If it's not bright, I I know Bryce Young is going to go very early on, but if you can get one of those really good quarterbacks, because again, uh, the 2023 draft is supposedly supposed to be one of the best quarterback draft classes of in a long, long time. And it's been a while since we've seen, it's been a real while since we've actually seen a draft class like that to where we've actually have seen really good quarterbacks come in and everybody can say, okay, we actually have a chance to pick one of these guys up. But the problem is, you don't know what the success rate of the, of those quarterbacks are going to be, but it's still nice to know that you can probably get one of these quarterbacks. And honestly, if I'm looking at the, at the quarterbacks uh, draft class, you know, maybe, the, maybe the Seahawks get lucky and they lot and they land Michael Penix jr. I would not, ha- I would not have one problem landing Michael Penix jr. No, I wouldn't either. Um, I think I want to go back a little bit before the scene, when we, when we, when Pete Carroll, named Geno Smith the starter. I was not excited about it. Neither was we I. Saw what he, we saw what he did last year. Nothing impressive. I was more interested in kind of the unknown of Drew Locke, even though we know how he did in Denver. But obviously Geno got the – and obviously it looks like Pete Carroll knew what he was doing. And I think – with Shane Waldron, uh, with this being his second year as the offensive coordinator, um, that's got a. I'm sh- I'm sure that has something to do with it, but Gino looks it looks good out there. Our rookie tackles 
are doing good and we're protecting them. I think this last game was first time he was sacked. Um, there may have been, I think he was just, he's been sacked a couple of times, but they've been pre- protecting him uh, really well. And he, he honestly looks comfortable back there and he does and in control of the game, which I didn't think we were going to see. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Geno Smith has been in control of every game that he's been in. He's been able to definitely control that pocket, definitely be able to control anything that comes his way. But one thing I also want to bring up is Jordan Brooks has been playing at a great level here uh, this season. So far, 43 tackles, 43 tackles already in four games. I mean, in uh, in three of those games, he has a total of over uh, he has 11 or more tackles. And the first game of the season against the Broncos, he had uh, 10 of them for solo, which last year he broke the the record by Bobby Wagner for most tackles in a season by a Seahawk for 183. And before we get over this, I need to bring this up to you because this is something I would love to talk about. Bobby Wagner is being sued for assault by the <laughs> by the fan who ran out onto the field on the Monday night game. And I'm going to be honest with you, DJ. I pray that the Santa Clara or San Francisco police department, whoever is in charge of this does not accept those charges. If you run onto the field, you deserve to get smacked. (laughs) I agree. You don't know what he could have, what they could have done. And they got signs everywhere. I think once you're in the field of play, if you're a fan, I think he did the right thing. I don't. I don't see anything wrong with it. He, Mm-mm. the guy, better not win any lawsuit for Bobby Bobby Wagner taking him out. But that was awesome to see. It, it's just it's just ridiculous. I mean, from what I uh, from what I saw, it was an animal rights group that uh, was the the guy and the there was there was a man and a woman who were doing like an animal rights thing. Which, first of all, look, good on you for having a, having a cause, but here's the thing. Bad on you for causing a scene at a football game and interrupting the game. I mean, the, the these people need to understand something. The, the, the players are sick and tired of fans running onto the field. They're tired of, of fans just uh, interrupting their games. So, and I'm going to be honest with you. If Bobby, if that would have been the woman who Bobby hit, I would have no pity for her. I, I, I'm being 100% honest with you. Again, I think it would have been the wrong thing to do, but when you run onto the field, you're asking to get your ass tackled by security guards. You're asking to get thrown down to the ground by security guards, or you're asking for one of those players to pop you. And that's exactly what Bobby Wagner did. And I'm so, first of all, the the look on the guy's face when he, when he got popped by Bobby Wagner, the, the, the photo is incredible. I love the photo, but it's just, I have no pity for these people that I don't understand why these people think that they have this right to do so. And because and here's the thing, most of the time it's just a drunken idiot who does it. Most of the time it's just drunken idiots. These people were sober. How do you do that when you're sober? Well, was it last year? One of the guys that did it, he like made a bet or something. Oh yeah. I remember that someone would run out on the field or something. And so he did it. And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, 
it's it's, it's ridiculous. And it looked like it was just a, a rest and release, like they. Yeah, the, I don't. Either. I don't think they. I don't think they spent a night in jail, which is which is kind of funny because usually you spend a night in jail over that type of stuff, and you get yeah. what of a five thousand dollar fine or something like that. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought. But anyway, uh, I think uh, the people have been banned from the stadium, which is good. They get a lifetime ban, but also, like I said, I just hope to God that. That um that Bobby Wagner does not get sued for assault charge. He doesn't need that on there. And, and and again, look, you know these players are out there making millions of dollars. They're out there for our entertainment. When you interrupt that entertainment, that's on you. That's that's just my thought on that one. And it's just ridiculous how I I come to find out that Bobby Wagner is getting sued for assault charges. Give me a break. Yeah. But uh. I mean, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to lie, man. It's It's been so much fun talking. So since my dad has left, we can finally put this music back on. I hate this. This is why I had the music on, because it sounds so boring when it's silent. But oh, I like it. Oh, yeah. I know. I love I love the, I love the music. My dad's the one that hates it. But anyway, um, you know, uh, so Roman's going to be coming on here in a second. We're going to be talking about the Huskies, uh, the preview, and of course, recapping the uh Unfortunate loss to UCLA, which that was not pretty at all. And you know the worst part about it was is that it was the day that the that the that the Mariners did clinch. Yeah. And uh look who it is. Look who we got on here. What's going on, Roman? How we doing? How we doing? Dude, Mariners are one win away. One win away. And it's and it's so and it's so exciting to know. But uh, DJ, man, uh, dude, we talked for almost an hour, man. I'm going to talk to you next Friday. Hopefully, we are talking about a possible Mariners in the championship series. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, man. All right. Until next week, man. uh, Have a good night, man. Enjoy the rest of your evening, brother. And I'll talk to you next Friday, man. All right. Later. Uh, By the way, also, look out for your DMs, man. I want to talk to you about this uh, streaming just a little bit later. All right, man. All right. Sounds good. All right, talk to you then, brother. There we go, DJ and everybody. And uh, here he is, Roman, uh, the main man. Uh, as everybody knows, we were off last Friday because there was more something more important to watch. Oh, uh, yeah, it was my birthday weekend. That's that's what was, what was so important. Like, you know. <laughs> I was going to say this... Cal Raleigh hitting a home run to put us in the playoffs. That was more important. Uh, I, I was watching the Husky game. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was something that we need to uh, kind of talk about because this was... Uh, this was brutal. Uh, this, was a, I, this was a brutal game for the Huskies. There was a lot of missed tackles in this game that really, that really, really uh, siphoned off, uh, you know, the, the win by the Bruins, you know, and right now, you know, the Huskies are sitting at number 21. Uh, Bruins right. are sitting at number, so, uh, you know, they're, they're Bruins are sitting at number 18, which is good. I mean, I don't mind that the Huskies are at number 21. I'm glad that they didn't get booted out of the top 25. But, no, with with the amount of t- teams in the top twenty five that lost last week, it would be kind of blasphemous if they didn't get. Kicked it out. really would have been. It really would have been blasphemous if they would have knocked them out of the top twenty five. But uh, uh, me and DJ were just talking about, you know, the Mar- we were talking about how the Seahawks should be going after a quarterback here in the draft, and one guy that we were talking about hopefully may may land to the Seahawks is of course uh, Michael Penix Jr., who is still 
really, I'm not going to lie. He's still on a good Heisman. No, Heisman rate. I absolutely. And I, I, I would be very hesitant if I were a Seahawks fan picking Michael Penix at this moment. Uh, nothing to do with him or like to, to no fault of his own. His injury history is something that, especially with the Broncos pick, which should be number one overall at this rate. That was the worst offense I've ever seen in my entire life last night. Um, but Broncos country, if, let's ride to last place. No, did, did you hear how he said in his post game presser? Was, uh, yeah, Broncos country. Yeah, let's, let's ride. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, that, that was, was the that was, that was the saddest. He's never even he's never even sounded that sad when he sounded when he always said go Hawks. No, it was, it was incredibly just depressing, but it was it was hilarious for me, especially since one of my my many many fantasy leagues I'm going to get up against a dude who had um uh Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton, so I was just like, all right, now this is great, I like this. Um, but the thing about p- taking Michael Penix Jr. in this moment is he's not the best quarterback in this class. His, as as no, great I agree. as he is. I like, and this is something, and, and I know we've been talking a couple of weeks. I was I was talking to somebody in the NFL world a couple of weeks ago, and we were having a discussion about him in particular. As I was kind of doing like stock watch, just kind of going through um, some of my my usual checks for with with this person over um, some of just the the guys on the Huskies and where they might be sitting in terms of NFL draft valuation. And mm-hmm. this person told me that as as good as Penix has been so far he's uh he will not have a first rate round grade on him from a good majority of scouts including this particular person that i talked to and a lot of that has nothing to do with him but simply due to his injury history because if you can mm-hmm. draft a guy like a bryce young or a cj stroud especially cj stroud if you can take a guy like that top five top ten in this moment that's going to be so much more beneficial than taking michael Penix, and especially Another thing that, and we've kind of seen how it's played out in Miami so far, is kind of the left-handed thing. Where, again, no fault of Michael Penix's, but teams have to completely uh, transform their offensive line. they got to reconfigure everything, and they got to build it in a completely different way. So that's something that um, will make some general managers hesitant to pick him. Exactly. Uh, By the way, Roman, a big announcement that we just uh, made over the... Uh, the Mariners and the Seahawks segment. I hope you will be part of this because I would love for you to be part of this. Uh, the Seattle Sports Diaries uh, gang is starting a Twitch channel. Oh, nice. Yep. And uh, so I can honestly say, so me and uh, me and DJ, we're definitely going to be playing like some Call of Duty. We're going to be playing MLB The Show. Uh, the first stream, though, that I can guarantee for everybody is going to be me. I will be playing PGA 2K23. And I will be, and I will be loving it. Um, I'm actually going to be buying an Xbox Series X here in about two weeks. And I nice. cannot wait because um, all of my paychecks that are coming in here in the next couple of weeks are going to be big ones. And I've been saving up there money. I've been putting money aside. So, Roman, I hear I hear him now offering you. Would you love to be part of the Seattle Sports Diaries uh, Twitch streaming? I will absolutely take part in it when I can. I, I can't say too much. Uh, I can't jinx anything. So I, I will. No, 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 no. You're perfectly but fine. I, well, so. Oh, no, I, I, I want to say this part just to put it out in the world. I have the job interview of my life next week. And oh, that's all oh. that's all that's all I can say. So I don't know what my plans are going to be going forward. Fingers well, crossed. I do have a, I do have a question for you, man. So uh, if you were to do this streaming, uh, are we doing Xbox or PS or PS4? I'm an Xbox guy. Xbox guy. Good. I, I'm Xbox one. Yeah. Yeah. So do, are you are you planning on getting the Series X? 
uh, at some point in the future, we'll we'll see. Um, I gotta with my my Warzone squad. We gotta kind of figure out how we wanna how we wanna do things. <laughs> Definitely. We're in the Alrighty, top one percent so, in the world and win, so you know. You know, uh, we so I gotta. I know we're supposed to be talking Huskies, but I I think I have a I think I might have told you this story. I cannot remember if I did, but um, back in two thousand and thirteen. I got a Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 squad. Like, I met a lot of these guys over, like, online play. And I told them, I said, hey, we let's have a schedule. Let's meet up. I think it was about after, like, a whole month of actually playing all these guys. And we're like, okay, let's meet up here. Let's play Call of Duty. And after two months of playing live as a team, we were ranked 50th in the world. Nice. We were one of the top 50 teams. And it was so fun to actually play Call of Duty. I actually got my first. Uh, I finally got a nuke. I finally did a twenty-five kill streak. I was I was a damn good Call of Duty Modern Warfare three player. I was definitely a good one. I, um, I love Modern Warfare three. Oh my! Can I? Can we please say that Modern Warfare three was one of the god one of the best friggin' damn Call of Duty games of all time? I mean, my take is I like it better than Modern Warfare two, but you know. No, I mean that's yeah. a fair take. I, that's I, there a, are a lot of people honestly out there that don't take. agree with me. No, that's a that's a fair take. I I, mean, I, 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 I I think so too. It's a great game. I don't I don't blame you for saying that uh, that it's better than Modern Warfare Two. I mean, for God's sake, I, dude, Modern Warfare Three was above its time. It was so fun was to play. Fantastic. Um, and the maps were even better. The oh, maps, the maps were really were good. amazing. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, real quickly for everybody, next. Friday or no wait 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 next Wednesday uh hold on a second okay sorry I don't mean to do that okay so next Friday will be the first hockey segment of the regular season because the Kraken kick off their season next Wednesday against the Anaheim Ducks um I'm gonna be neutral on that one because I am both a Ducks and a Kraken fan I'm gonna enjoy that game but I my allegiance will kind of shift slightly in the Kraken favor. But then, of course, they play the uh, Los Angeles Kings. And to hell with the Los Angeles Kings. Um, I don't I'm not going to cheer for you one bit. So I'm going to be cheering for the Kraken all the way. <laughs> but anyway, uh, getting back to Michael Penix Jr., you're absolutely right. The, uh, the, so the injury history is definitely going to hamper his draft stock. Um, I do see Michael Penix being a possible late second round pick, if not a, a high third round pick. I can um, see him going in the mid second. Mid second, like okay. Jaylen, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, this game against UCLA, though, thirty-three yeah. for forty-eight. Um, once again, very, very high percentage completion rating. Because uh, let's go ahead and pull this up. I want to go ahead and pull this up on Fox because I want to make sure I have all of this. Because should actually have all this stuff up. I, I really should always have this stuff up. So the Huskies. In the oh, for goodness sakes, here we go. So, Michael Penix Jr., 125 out of 191, 65.4 uh, completed percentage, almost 2,000 yards, number one in the nation, 1,000 in, in passing yards, 1,733. And if we're looking at college football, I'm going to bring this up real quickly. If we're looking at the college football stats in passing yards nationwide, Michael Penix Jr. is first. And it's so cool to actually see a quarterback first 
in national wise. But uh, it's Pettis incredibly Jr. exciting, and he'll break two thousand yards this weekend. Yeah, I, I think you know. I'm going to be honest. I, I I think I think Penix Jr. is going to go over uh, two thousand yards in this game against ASU. But uh, two thousand uh, yards in a game. Wow, that's that's old he's going to go over two thousand yards for the season. Sorry, <laughs> jeez, Louise. My so God, that, that, why, that's, why that's are you taking everything that I say literal? <laughs> why must you take everything that I say literal? Jeez, Louise. Anyway, um. A big thing about this uh, game against uh, UCLA, I want to go ahead and point this out. Uh, Ro- Roma Dunze, uh, eight catches for 116 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen McMillan, eight, six catches, 61 yards. This is something that I love about the Huskies. This is something I, I honestly adore about the Huskies because I need to also pull this stat up, is the the wide receiver core is unbelievable because so Jalen McMillan currently leads the team with 428 yards. Adunze is behind him at 409 yards. Those are your two top receivers. But Jalen Polk, 14 catches, 271 yards. Uh, McMillan, Adunze, and Polk all have four touchdowns. Yep. And Adunze, but Adunze leads the team in 100-yard games with two. He also so I'm very happy yards to- per game because he's played one less game than the other guys. He has played one less game than the other guys. Um, so that's really exciting to to talk about is this wide receiver core because again there's there's always there's always something to talk about with this team and especially when you're talking about the wide receiving core. Look, you have McMillan, Adunze, Polk, Gabe Jackson, and Westover, and all all five of those guys are in 100 yards. The next guy who doesn't have who is next in the line is Tula Papa at 96 yards, and that's what I love about. Um, this Husky team is that they spray the ball everywhere. You know, they get every single person involved in the game whenever they can. It's not just on the on the passing side. It's also on the running side because I, I find this really, oh my God, I just love this. I love looking at all these stats because I love just seeing all of this. So uh, Tula Papa leads the team in rushing with 355 yards. Um Davis is uh, not even close to him with 165. But Cam's gotten worked in a lot in the receiving game, though. And I think he does. He I, does get worked in the Cam receiving. And, and Wayne had the same amount of touchdowns as well. Um, I believe they both have four. I might be I'm looking right here. Oh, here Davis we go. Is- no, no, no. Uh, Davis has got four touchdowns and Tula Papa has three. So he's just one behind him. Oh, okay. Yeah, but- that's right. That's right. But anyway, um, so let me go ahead and pull this up because I I figure we, we need to pull this up, of course. Uh, let's pull up the betting line for this upcoming game because, as well, you well, know... I want to swing back back around to what you're saying about the offense because the credit, oh, okay. doesn't, yeah, just, no problem. The credit doesn't just go to uh, Michael Penix for being as amazing as he is because obviously he's shown a lot. He's shown his arm talent. He's shown how he's a, a incredibly fast processor who knows how and when to throw the ball and he kind of one of the one of the things that kind of was in a little bit in his detriment against UCLA was he did that kind of too much. He it looked like he was kind of towing the line between um, like good decisions and uh, I can make this throw, so I know I can I, I make it, which yeah. kind of took place on both of his interceptions where they were really ballsy throws. And if he makes that throw, your draws on the floor and you're saying, oh my god, like I can't believe it. like the the third to Wayne Talapapa in the end zone uh, against Michigan State. If he makes the mm. throws, it's, oh my God. 
but UCLA obviously watched the film and they, they kind of said that uh, on the broadcast. They said, yeah, we, we kind of expected some of these passes coming into the game and UCLA is just prepared for it. And that's fine. And that, you just have to live and you learn. And kind of going forward, we saw that Michael Penix in the second half was excellent. He was perfect. He didn't make exactly. any really scary bad throws. Uh, the issue was, yeah, the, the defense couldn't really tackle. They couldn't stop anybody. Uh, and Dorian Thompson Robinson really felt, it felt like he could do whatever he wanted. Uh, on defense, though, I really want to give credit to true freshman cornerback Javion Green, who has been amazing. He's played in four games already this season. And uh, Jake Bobo, the Duke transfer for UCLA, was amazing on Friday night. Shout out to my fantasy team that I have Jake Bobo on my college fantasy team. Uh, we, we cooked. We put up uh, We put up like 170 points this weekend. It was amazing. Um, I know nobody cares about my fantasy team, but I do. So you guys have to hear about it. Um, so I got a quick question for you, though. Yeah. Did anyone have the over at 45 points for the Seahawks game this past week? Oh, my God. Ugh. Jesus Christ. I'm I a DeAndre Swift dynasty owner. Like, I, 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 I couldn't even enjoy the game. I had to play. Oh, my God. It was terrible. It was life. it was one of the worst games ever, even though that we won. But the you I can't looked say at the, worst game ever after you watched the game last night. That's just not allowed anymore. Oh like no! It's, last it's, it's, last it's night was allowed. the last night was the worst. God it was the worst friggin' uh, football game I've ever watched in my life. It, oh, it, it was I, it was it was just terrible. It was hideous. Um, but I no, just, I, I, just I for laughs. I went back and looked at the over under for last week's game for the Seahawks. The over under was forty seven. I want to know who took the over on that. I want to know who took the over on that and won money off of that game. <laughs> but I think the Seahawks were favored. By, uh, the, the the no, the Lions were favored by six. I think so. I for for me, the Patriots suck. So like seriously, I just turn on red zone at ten a.m. on Sundays. I'm like, all right, Jamar Chase, two touchdowns. T. Higgins, two touchdowns. Everything else, I don't care. Let's watch. <laughs> I missed a let's ride opportunity right there. And I'm really mad at myself. Jeez. All right. So uh, getting on to the Huskies, though. Yeah. Um, the Husky spread line is at is at uh, 13 and a half against ASU. You know what? I want to kind of I want to kind of take that one. I want to take the 13 and a half and the over under is 56. I The over I would hammer. The I would. No, I'm taking the over. No, I, I would I'd take, take the I'd over. Take hammer the over. But what, but what's scary is not only have the Huskies not covered the spread in Arizona in Arizona in a very long time, or Arizona State, excuse me, they won in Arizona a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the Huskies have not won in Tempe in a very long time. They have not, and it's and it's really scary. I find this very funny. So look at this real quickly. So I think you'll I think you'll love this one. So uh, for passing touchdowns, they have Michael Penix Jr. at over two and a half. Passing touchdowns. I think I'll take that one. Um, For passing yards, they have Penix Jr. uh, 117 and a half. Or 317 and a half, excuse me. Okay, I was going to say, that's like, that's just giving away (laughs) money. And then uh, they have Wayne Tulapapa at 66 and a half. I I, I like that. So Um, I was in, I was doing some research earlier this week uh, for an article I was writing for realdog.com. Great website. Check mm -hmm. it out. That's how I plug. Um, So I was doing some research for an article because I wanted to just kind of see how, all right, how can they bounce back? How can they bounce back after this like truly soul crushing loss? Like this team is so good. They're riding this giant wave of momentum. 
uh, the, the, it sucked at the, uh, all, all the tic tac holds. I won't even get into those because it seemed like every time they popped a run longer than six yards, oh no, let's just let's throw, throw a holding flag in there. Feels like it happens every time they play UCLA again. Another issue, another day. Um, Arizona State, and because I'm saying this, I'm gonna jinx it. But Arizona State has arguably the worst defense in the country. Oh not no! The, and now it is jinx. Not the worst rushing defense. The worst defense. Mike, I want you to tell me, without looking, how many sacks does Arizona State have through five games this season? I have no idea. Okay, give me a number. Just throw a number out there. I want to say it's below five. I'm not going to say anything. You just have to give me a number. Four. Three. They've oh, I was. I, you know what? I was going to guess three. <laughs> I was gonna guess three, and then I and then I contradicted myself. Ding! They have three sacks through the first wow. through the team's first five games. So Michael Penix should have. He should be able to like just sit back there and make a sandwich in the pocket. Like he's gonna have all day to throw football. And uh, not to mention two of Arizona State's already like kind of depleted secondary uh, announced. Uh, it was either um, late yesterday or early today that they're gonna be entering the transfer portal and will not be playing again this season. For oh, wow. the Sun Devils, uh, so uh, this 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 might be the time that they break the streak, and that's that's all I'm going to say about that uh, because I can't give predictions. But <laughs> it's that that's just kind of how it is. They could do it. That yep. defense is bad. You know what? I like it. I like it. I I think we need to confirm that the that the losing that the that this long losing streak in Tempe finally ends. Um, I think that I, I think they'll do it. Um, I'll say tomorrow when the clock strikes zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, as always, we need to give our predictions of this game, and of course, the bold predictions. Again, apologies that last Friday that we were not here, but I was at the Mariners game witnessing history, and uh, Roman was off doing uh, Roman things. <laughs> um, by the way, I do need to ask you, man, how you been these last couple weeks, man? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. You know, it's just holding in the best I can. It's it's nice. I actually got a chance to sit at my desk today, so I've got my my bud's little collars over here with me, and they're always just sitting next there to me. Go. And you know what? That that's always special. Oh, it really all right. Is. So I like I like so, it here. So Roman, your bold prediction for this game: uh, can you, the Huskies you versus can go Arizona first State. On this one. I have one, but I want to make sure of something fast. Give me okay. just a second. So I'm going to go ahead and say against the worst defense in the league that this that this Husky team is going to put up 60 points. They're going to put up over 60 plus points. We're going to see okay. Michael Penix Jr. throw for over 400 yards and I believe the final score in this game Husky 61, Arizona State 17. That is my prediction for this game. I think this is going to be an absolute dominant. I think this is going to be just a dominating game by the Huskies because you're absolutely right. Uh, Arizona State with one of the worst defenses in the league. Uh, Penix is not. Michael Penix Jr. is not even going to get sacked once in this game. I don't think so. And I just probably jinxed it right there. But um, (laughs) but no, I, I, you know, I'm willing to bet that Adunze is going to go over 100 yards and Jalen McMillan is also going to go over 100 yards as well. Okay, but so you're taking all I the like... out of our mouth here. <laughs> <laughs> because I was going to say that Michael Penix was going to have a career-high day in passing yet again. 
Okay. He threw for 397 yards against Michigan State. So I just, I, I, that's what I was checking. I just wanted to make sure that number. So you stole my thunder. And then he stole my thunder again. Because I was going to say Roma Dunze was going to go over 150 yards. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, great minds think alike. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, great minds really do think alike. I mean, it's... Uh, it's so, but, it, but I mean, it's been, it's been such a really interesting week though here in Seattle because, you know, you know, at the beginning of this Husky season, there was so much, like everybody was watching them. They were keeping an eye on them, but all of a sudden the city of Seattle has turned into a baseball town. It really has. As a baseball and, guy, it's great. But as a but Husky I, guy, it's like, come on, this team's ranked. Well, I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it. it, it I, I never said I didn't get it. <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, it's amazing that the Mariners are finally in this spot where they're also uh, more popular than the Seahawks. I think they really are more popular than the Seahawks right now. And it's been a long time since we could say that. Oh, definitely. Been but um, but I will say this, man. Um, hopefully next Friday, we will be talking about a possible... Huskies' humongous dominating win over the Arizona State uh, pitchforks or uh, whatever the hell they are. You had Sun Devils. I don't care. Uh, I don't like Arizona State. I've been to that campus once, and the only thing that I can say is they have a lot of hot chicks there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a party school. It really is a party school. It really is. Uh, But, Roman, I will talk to you next Friday. And uh, looking forward to it, man. See you then. Go dogs. Later, brother. Go dogs. And joining us, uh, as always, is Mark Williams. What's going on, Mark? Oh, man. You know, I I, I hear there's been some playoff sports in Seattle um, to, to celebrate. Um, I'm at a loss, though, because I'm, I'm really confused. It's not the team it usually is. <laughs> this time of year and like i don't i like at the one time like I, I don't know what to do with myself and i'm really excited at the same time and it's it's really weird feeling it really is a weird feeling and it's also a very sad feeling you know and but you know think about this you know one playoff drought ends but a new one starts unfortunately but i will say this uh, i don't think i don't think the sounders will be uh, long in that playoff. No, round. no, I don't. I don't either. And and it's one of the things we probably need to talk about. You know, doing a little bit of post mortem on on everything that happened. Um, is man, there's so many of so many fans. I, I'm the Facebook groups, everything else, are just going crazy. You know, I've seen calls for Garth's head. I've seen calls for Brian's head. I've seen calls for dumping half the roster or more. Like some of the some of the calmer ones are half the roster. Oh my god. Right. And it's like we don't we don't understand what this is, what's caused this. And if if it's OK with you, that's actually what I'd like to talk about tonight. Dude, it I'm is. fine with it, man. So, all right. So, look, let's pull up real quick. If you would pull up who's in the playoffs for the MLS right now and read me the teams from the east and read me the teams from the west that are above the line. All right. Hang on a second. Let me go ahead and pull it up. Sorry, I was not prepared for this. No, no, I'm springing it on you. I was kind of doing it intentionally, too. Sorry. <laughs> Usually, like I said, you like a little thing of like, hey, here's some thoughts. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? You know, I didn't do that this tonight, and I didn't do it intentionally, because partly because I wanted to see your reaction when we look at this. 
Okay. All right. So for the so for the Eastern Conference, we have uh, Montreal. Okay. Inner Miami. Okay. New York City FC. Okay. New York Red Bulls. Okay. And Philadelphia Union. Okay. All right. For those of the teams that have already qualified, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. How many of those were in Champions League? Concacaf Champions League. None of them. No, or, actually, Montreal no, wait, was. No, inner inner we, inner Miami was. Inner Miami was not. Okay. Oh, I thought uh, they were. No, it was Montreal. It was mm-hmm. NYC FC, and then um, Philadelphia was also represented. Philadelphia okay. and Montreal went out in the first round. Okay. There you go. In other words, they played two games. Okay. Mm-hmm. NYC FC made a run. What is NYFC's place in those standings? Um, I have no idea. I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, here we go. I got the I got the conference standings. So you're talking about NYFC, right? NYCFC, yeah. Uh, so they are third. Okay. Oh, and so- uh, right, real quickly, uh, the 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 other two teams that are possibly going to be qualifying who are right now above the line is FC Cincinnati and the Columbus Crew. Okay. So other teams that were also there in um, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League was also New England Revolution. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so let's kind of go down to the West. What are the teams in the West that are in the playoff race? LAFC. Yeah. Austin FC. FC yeah. Dallas. Yeah. LA Galaxy. Yep. Nashville. Port Scum. And Minnesota. Okay. Now, what I'm hoping and praying for is that Portland won't make it in there. That's my rooting interest right now. But how many of those teams were in CONCACAF Champions League? So I, uh, Portland was one of them, I believe. No, Portland was not. Okay, so I know LAFC was one. LAFC was one. They also got kicked in the first round. They're the uh, only one. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay. And this is what I'm trying to point out, right? That CONCACAF Champions League has a massive impact. When you talk about teams that play in... Um, the European Champions League, right? UEFA Champions League, mm-hmm. um, from the Prem, or from La Liga, or from Serie A in Italy, right? Whatever those are, these guys have really deep rosters. Guys where every person on their 25 to 28 to 30 man rosters sometimes can play on a first team anywhere else. And the reason they do it is they know they'll be sitting the bench some. They're not going to go play 40 games this season, right? But they are going to end up playing Champions League, Mm -hmm. right? And so you spread that weight out over 30, 40 guys over that time frame, right? You pull in your youth here and there. You you do this. We're doing that for both, and we don't have enough. We don't have enough bodies. Guys start dropping. Guys start getting hurt, and it's MLS's problem. It's why they didn't win until this time when we focused on it and what happened we lost Paulo. nico missed most of the first quarter of the mm-hmm. season raul missed about half the season right christian went down for the first time in his freaking career right um jordan missed a little bit of time although he was one of the most consistent players we had this year crazy that jordan morris would be that for once right how many different defensive starting back lines did we see this year a lot because of injury and international college with World Cup qualifying because that adds another level to the number of games these guys played this year. Okay? Raul. Um, let's start at the, at the top with the striker and work our way back. Raul. Um, Jordan. Christian. Um, 
Yamar, uh, Alex, Alex freaking captain El Salvador. I've seen people talking about Alex barely being a substitute. The dude's played something like 50 games this year. Yeah. Right? You'd be dead on your feet, too, and looking like you were you were lazy in the last game. They were freaking <laughs> tired. No, I so you know, much. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm going to be truthfully honest with you. The amount of complaints that I see on the, the Facebook group of people calling for Schmetzer's head calling for most of these players head saying of how Nico Dero is terrible. I hate it because it's ridiculous. Do, do people understand that this team was riddled with injuries? This team was exhausted. This team focused. This team was very focused on a tournament that MLS has never won. That has, and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you, man. I wish that these tournaments were not played in the season. I really wish that they were not played in the season. But again, you know, that's how it is with the Champions League. The Champions League is also played in season. I get it. And if and if a European fan was to have heard what I just said, they would laugh my ass right out of the building. But I get it. But this Sounders team was riddled with injuries. Nobody could stay healthy. There was multiple changes in the back line. There was multiple changes with the defense. They could... Not even Brian Schmetzer could could pull out could pull the rabbit out of his hat this time. Look, Brian Schmetzer. If it was not for Brian Schmetzer, we never have an MLS Cup. We never have four MLS Cup appearances. We never have two MLS titles hanging into hanging in that goddamn stadium. We never have those titles. And for people to call out all of these players, it makes me. It, it, it makes me sick to my friggin' stomach because um, Jordan Morris is one of the heart and soul of this team. Nico Ladero was by far the MVP of our first MLS Cup season. Um, Raul Ruiz Diaz is one of the greatest international signings that the Sounders have done, have made. And the MLS as well. Yes. And all of these players that people are bad-mouthing. First of all, Alex Roldan, like you said, the man's played 50 games this year. You try playing 50 games, see if you're not dead on your feet. Alex Roldan was hurt, or excuse me, Christian Roldan was hurt for the first time in his career. He has stayed healthy for most of his career. The bashing that these players are getting is ridiculous. And for anybody who bashes them, all I say is, you try putting on their boots. You try doing what they did this year. You try it and see if you last the season. So I will say there's there's two things here that I kind of really want to throw into the mix on that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to hold players, coaches accountable, but you got to start in the right spot. Exactly. And the issue isn't with anybody in the front office at, down at Starfire. Okay. It's not anybody on that pitch. The first blame lies with the MLS salary cap. Yeah. And the, and the inability of this team to add to its roster when they qualify for CONCACAF Champions League. There are ways for the MLS to deal with that and still keep it competitive. For instance, doing a, a special allocation for teams to. Uh, you know, in, in allocation money, you qualify for CONCACAF Champions League, we're going to give you just a little bit extra, right? So that you could go make a couple extra signings and fill out your roster so that you're, you're in the end, 
you're not playing kids, starting kids that are 16 years old who did a wonderful job, but his body couldn't handle the stress either in the case of Obed Vargas, right? Where you've got the ability to bring in some guys. Obed Vargas was above replacement player, to use a a baseball statistics term, right? He He held his own in the toughest competition that this continent has to offer. He held up against, you know, grown men and did really well but he hurt himself doing it because he's 16 and his body's not not growing yet right in one of the hardest positions to play in soccer is a defensive midfielder there's a reason ozzy was always getting hurt there was reason that jao paulo got hurt this time that's a tough position it's hard on your body you had a 16 year old doing it why because we couldn't go sign somebody else because of the mls salary cap Exactly. That's piece number one of this. Now, I'm not blaming MLS for that. You can't build a league that has parity, and that's a point to help the game grow in the United States so I can at least appreciate it, right? Um, But they've got to find some caveats that allow these teams, and you see it in the – in the standings that we're talking about earlier, where the teams that that went deep into CONCACAF, made deep runs, struggled when it came to the season. Right, uh, NYCFC was the runaway winner in the East last year. They're third mm-hmm. now. Why? Well, partly because they sold Tatiana Castellanos halfway through the year, but also because they made a deep run and they had the same problems we did with injuries. Exactly. Now, they had far <clears throat> less international call-ups, and that's the caveat to the Sounders that everybody seems to forget. Shoot, there was one international window with, with what was a cramped and pushed because of coming out of COVID and needing to finish World Cup qualifying, they added all these extra games and all these extra windows to get got, to get these teams qualified and get things done. And you start looking at that and you look at the consequences for these guys. The Sounders, something like there was one call-up session where nine players went out on international call-up from one squad. And they're mm-hmm. playing two or three games in those windows, plus all the practices at different pacing. Brian was talking about, you know, it wasn't till about uh, three quarters of the way to through the season that they cut back their practices from normal because they were worried about guys getting worn out. And his comment just just last week in his press conference was, I wish we'd have done it a couple months sooner. Yeah. Where we've been able to recognize the wear and tear that was going on. our Guys, that was the problem hands down period that was the issue exactly um so our soccer segment is about to come to an end so here's the question mark what the hell are we going to talk about now for the next couple weeks for just like the next next couple months because uh we i don't know man do we want to talk international soccer i mean the world cup is coming up i i will say this like i will be um i've saved sick time because i'm gonna have the red white and blue flu um, every time it's necessary to be able to to watch the U.S. men's national team, I'll, I'll, I'll stay up. I don't blame you. Um, and what's more, um, this maybe, is I'm not going to lie. Maybe soccer. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you, man. I'm going to be honest. Maybe I should take the uh, chemotherapy treatment here in November. That way, I get some sick leave just to watch the. You know, just hey, boss, we, we decided to move it up a little bit. You know, it's this it's this week and a half at least. Maybe, you know, I may have another extra one to have throw it in. If, it, if that goes out well, you know, just I'm going to need like three weeks off just to, you know, yeah, definitely. see how this goes. It but, starts um, November 21st, I think. So, yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. But yeah. um, I just I, I almost forgot. I I forgot to friend you on Facebook, man. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I sent you I sent you a friend request, but yeah, I saw it. Um, 
I got something to show you though. Uh, you can go down my TL. I was actually just in a music video just the other day. Oh, cool. I didn't even know it. I had to rewind it a few times and actually see myself. <laughs> I was in <laughs> Kenny Chesney. I was in Kenny Chesney's new music video, and I, like I said, I there was just a shot of me just for like, I want to say two, three seconds, and it was just me just looking up at him like with the most serious look on my face, and it was just like I was in the moment. I was just listening to the music. But it was so cool that I was actually being that I was actually on one of my favorite artists' uh, music cool. video. Well, as as you know, I live uh, in Tennessee. I moved here for work. Uh, still, oh sound my god, I... his Nashville show I heard was incredible. Um, I'm two and a half hours from Nashville, so oh. uh, yeah. And you want to know the worst part of that? And you're gonna you're gonna like you may pull back that friend request here in a second. I can't stand country music. <laughs> Just, I can't. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, like, I mean, like, literally the home of it, and I just I can't stand country music. It's, it is. <laughs> no, I will say Nashville's a great place to party, though. It is. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, that's gonna do it for this uh, this uh, soccer segment. Uh, we will. I don't know if we'll be back next Friday. Me and Mark, we're gonna be discussing it. Uh, but we will definitely be covering the uh, World Cup. We're definitely gonna be previewing matches and all that stuff. We're gonna be going over matches as well. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, Mark's going to catch the red and blue fever or uh, the red and red, blue, white flu. And blue flu, yeah, red, white, red, white and blue flu. Yeah. But uh, Mark, dude, it's been uh, a while since we chatted and I'm glad we did chat. But uh, yeah. unfortunately, it was uh, under bad circumstances. But you know what? Hey, this is the good news. Mariners are one win away from actually guaranteeing playing in Seattle for one game. You know, I um, now we, we we've always talked soccer, you and I. Okay, my sport growing up um, was actually baseball. Um, I, I I played a little bit at what would be an NAI equivalent level college ball. I loved the game, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been uh, it's been very hard and painful as a Mariners fan to watch this team the last 21 years because even when they've been good, they've been bad, and to finally <laughs> be where that's different and where this is a, a fun team to watch and that. Uh, uh, the, you know, to to see them actually, I mean, that was a butt whooping today. I'm not gonna lie, really I really was. hope. I really <laughs> hope. So my, I texted my boss earlier today, and he said that if you're an extra for tomorrow for at work, you can be the extra. You can go home watch the ball game, and I'm yeah, really yeah. hoping that I'm an extra tomorrow because I really want to watch <laughs> them clinch. Um, but you know, like we said in the baseball segment, we're we're not going to hope for a World Series. We're just going to enjoy this ride. Enjoy every single moment because we got to go up against the Astros. It's going to be a tough match. But uh, Mark, like I said, man, uh, hopefully next Friday we'll uh, talk it over and we'll see what we got to talk about. But um, hopefully I talk with you next Friday, man. Sounds good. We'll see you later. Have a good night, man. There we go. That is going to do it for this episode of Seattle Sports Tires. Do not forget to like, comment, and subscribe on this channel. Also, please go and subscribe to the Seattle Sports Diaries account on YouTube and follow us on Apple, Google, and Spotify. And I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. And everybody go Mariners. Let's go get those Blue Jays. Let's make them cry. Maple syrup tears.